Welcome. You are listening to the Learning to Believe Again podcast with your host, Brittany Bexton. Where do you begin when you're learning to believe again? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I have Shirley Coker on with me. You might remember her from last week's episode, sharing some of her stories about how she hears from God. But this week, I have her on to share her amazing testimony. I have heard bits and pieces of it, but I have not heard the whole thing, so I'm really excited to hear it. Welcome, Shirley. Thank you, Brittany. Thank you so much for having me back again, like a week later. Thank you. You know, I, I've just been hearing your story um, through a couple of the groups that we're in, and I was like, you know what? We need to have a healing story on. <laughs> and Shirley's mm. got an amazing one. So it's just great timing, especially with Easter this weekend. We're actually recording this episode on Passover night in the U.S. So I just find that significant because God does amazing miracles. So I'm I want to start with just a quick question. I know you love the Lord. Have you always known and loved God, or did you grow up knowing Him? Well, I didn't. Uh, I didn't grow up knowing Him like you would know Him. But I remember in a secondary school in England, um, Mrs. Stein was loved. Uh, was our, our, it was called RI Religious Instruction. And that was really the first time that I can remember hearing about Jesus. And I loved everything she was talking about, this man, this man of God. And I had her for about two years and then things changed and mum and dad moved here. But I think when I think back now, I think that was God just letting me know that his son is here and he's alive and that one day Jesus would become so dear to me and um, that, yeah, and so it was from secondary school to when I was 30 that I um, was, you know, we call it born again. So, yeah, yeah, so it was a, a big gap. But yeah, I did have did know him and his name mm-hmm. from school. So when you were born again, how did that happen? Did you end up being invited to church? How did that? Oh dear. Well, I had been in hospital on the um re- the week before, really, really bad asthma attack. Mm-hmm. I came home on the Friday, and then on the Monday. I was in the lounge and I heard a voice say, you're going to church. And I thought, what? Who is saying that? I looked around and I'm thinking, did I even hear that? So I discarded it, didn't think anything more of it. Yeah. And then Tuesday, I heard you're going to church. And so I'm getting a bit more pumped up in myself and thinking, someone's put a recording in my unit and they're saying I'm going to church. I think, what is going on here? So then the same thing happened Wednesday. Then Thursday I remember talking back 
to this voice. And obviously now I know it was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but I remember talking back and saying, all right, if I'm going to church, where am I going? Yeah. And he told me where I was going. And I said to him, because I know it's, you know, Holy Spirit now, I said to the voice, if I'm going to church, you have to show me where I'm going. And then I heard nothing. And then Saturday, so I never slept very much at night because of all the medication I was taking because mm -hmm. I was so unwell. And so, um, you know, I needed nebulizers through the night. So it was um, asthma medication to keep the airways open. Mm -hmm. So I didn't get a lot of sleep. And Saturday night was the very first night I slept. Wow. Didn't need any medication. And so on um, Saturday through the day, I said to this voice, if I am going to church, you need to show me how to get there and you need to wake, I need to be awake at six o'clock in the morning <laughs> so I could at least start my medication and be ready because I was so big. I was 130 kilo from the steroids and sick with other, like I had insulin dependent, I was insulin dependent from the steroids. So I had diabetes caused by the steroids. I had osteoporosis caused by the steroids. I had a fungal infection in my bowel caused by the steroids. Um, so it's very hard to get around. And so I thought, well, you have to have me awake by six o'clock so I can at least start to get ready. So Saturday night was the first night. I, this was in 1991 that I slept through the night, didn't need wow. any medication. It was incredible. And when I woke at six, I I didn't have anything through the night. I couldn't believe it. couldn't <laughs> believe it. So I was getting ready for for church. I didn't know what to wear. And at 130 kilo, there's not a lot you can wear anyway, you yeah. know, because back then the fashion, not like it is, you know, now for when people, you know, when people are bigger. So I got ready and I thought, hmm, I wonder if this voice, whatever it is, will really show me how to go to church. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit showed me how to get to church. Wow. He, got, he was leading me how to get to church from where I lived and it was about half an hour away. And he was wow. leading me all the way. I just felt he was his presence telling me turn left turn right turn left turn right it was an incredible Amazing. encounter now I know what it is yeah so I hadn't been to church up until this day had never you know other than you know funerals etc or baptisms but had never um been to church for a church service where they worship Jesus and with worship and then there's a yeah. message about Jesus you know so so I knew nobody in the church and I thought I'll sit right at this very big church I thought I'll sit at the back easy to get out and then um um then we had you know what I now know as worship and then there was the preach and then, of course, there's the altar call, and I felt quite indignant. I'm thinking, they're telling me to close my eyes when I want to go home. You know, I was tired <laughs> from being so big and um, 
even though I had slept well, being so big and having the diabetes and I didn't take any food with me as well, yeah. which, um, you know, in hindsight, I should have. I just wanted to get out. So I shut my eyes. The this Holy Spirit was saying to me, you need to close your eyes because I wasn't going to. And he's saying, you need to close your eyes. And so I closed my eyes and thought, all right, then if I close my eyes, I'll get you off my back. Mm -hmm. So this is literally what's happening. And then they say, put your hand up if you want to invite Jesus into your heart. And I just sat there. I didn't do a thing. And the Holy Spirit's saying, put your hand up, put your hand up. I'm thinking, what for? What, you know, what for? And he's saying, put your hand up. And I thought, to shut you up, I'll put my hand. That's what I said. I'll put my hand up. And so I put my hand up and then there's a tap on my back. And I'm thinking, what is going on here? And yeah. there's a lady said, would you like to come down the front? And I said to her, you meant to have your eyes closed because I didn't know any different. Yeah. I didn't know they would walk you down the front if you wanted to um, invite Jesus into your heart. And I said, no, I'm all right, thank you. And she said, you sure? And I said, I'm all right, thank you. And then... The pastor speaking was lingering and saying, I sense there's another um, hand up. And I'm thinking, what is going on? And then the Holy Spirit said to me, you need to put your hand up. You need to go down the front. So I just went down the front, not knowing what I right. was doing. I said, what is this all? I literally did not know what this was all about. And so... Um, I um, went down the front and, you know, you do the altar call and then they invite you down the back. There was like a youth hall, so you go down the back and there's salvation counselling and everything like that. Yeah. And I'm lost at this stage. I didn't know what was going on, what they were doing, because I was, I was on my own. I didn't know anybody. They were complete strangers. And they're talking to me about Jesus, who I vaguely knew the name of from school. Yeah. And then um, they, um, you know, said that a pastor will contact you and come around and visit you. And I, I didn't think anything of it. But, you know, going home, I'm thinking, what for? You know, I've come <laughs> down the front. No, I've come down the front and. I've invited Jesus into my heart, which wasn't my intention because I was only coming to church because the voice told me to go to church. You need yeah. to go to church. So um, I came home and a little bit later um, someone called me from I think someone called me from church to see um, – if it was like tea up a time for the pastor to visit. And so the pastor came and um, we were just talking and we were talking about Jesus and he saw a statue. On, I had a gas fire and he saw a statue of Buddha because I wasn't any wiser. It was only yeah. a little one. I didn't understand. I didn't know. And he said, do you know what that statue is? I said, just a statue of Buddha. I said, good, good luck, isn't it? He said, no, not really. And so he's talking to me about Buddha and how demonic and evil. 
and the spirit behind it. And he said, you really need to chuck it away. So I just chucked it away, broke it, chucked it away and threw it in the bin. Um, And then we're just talking about Jesus and going through the salvation prayer. And did I understand, you know, what I had done? And then, you know, I had clarity of what I'd actually done. And (laughs) yeah, so, but, you know, Jesus came to me. Um, at a time when sickness was starting to get really worse. So yeah. I was diagnosed with asthma in 1984. Mm-hmm. So I'd never, never, ever, ever in my life had an asthma attack until wow. that day. I was jogging after night shift nursing. I'd been nursing, done a night shift, and then a friend and I were jogging. and I just started getting very tight and wheezy and I thought, okay, I better stop because I can't go any further. And I took myself to the emergency department and they treated me with all the asthma medication and didn't really help. And that's when the steroids started. And then um, that was 84. So I was in and out of hospital having a whole heap of tests because it's unusual for females in that age bracket to develop asthma it's usually guys in that age bracket so I was having a barrage of tests and admissions and then in 1986 I fractured my spine for the first time and I fractured three lumbar vertebrae Um, so I was in hospital for ages because it was pain I live on my own I was intense so How how did you fracture your spine well, I was horse riding with a friend and um, we had had a big ride and then um, we were just walking side by side on our horses. Well, it was her horse. She let me one of hers, my friend. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't have my feet in the stirrups, which was, you know, silly in hindsight. And she took off at a canter. My horse followed. And I fell down, a like I rolled down a cliff. Ah. And, yes, and I was intense pain, intense pain. I couldn't move because of the pain and I didn't know what I'd done and it was a warm day and I was dusty and laying in the dust I was starting to wheeze and I did have my, um, you know, my puffer on, on me at the time. And I couldn't get up. I was flat on the ground at an angle. And I couldn't get up the, the cliff, the embankment. And um, so she brought the horse to the edge and dropped the reins and helped me get up that way. Mm-hmm. And so it took ages because of the pain. You know, every move I did, just about my I was screaming with the pain. It was intense. And so anyway, we got, I got up and then she walked the, ho- her, um, the horse that I was riding to where there was high up from an embankment. Yeah. And I was able to get on my horse that way because I couldn't barely walk. I was in so much pain. And so um, we got out and then I just went home because at that stage I didn't know I'd fractured my spine. Yeah. And when I got home, I remember, it was a silly thing to do, I got in the beanbag, but I made sure I'd gone to the toilet and I made sure I'd got everything I needed to eat and drink so I didn't have to get up. And then my flatmate came home from work 
And she said, what's the matter with you? And I said, I can barely move. So she called an ambulance and um, took me to hospital. I got admitted. And that's when they found out that I had the three fractured lumbar vertebrae. And they started doing tests because you don't normally have such a significant fracture. Yeah. From I mean, it wasn't a hard horse, you know, with a horse bolting off. It was only really at a at a trot, and then my horse went off into a canter. But by that stage, I was already off. Mm-hmm. So they did some tests, and they found out I had osteoporosis, which mm-hmm. is a side effect from the steroids. So yeah. um, I had a whole stack of tests again to find out how bad the osteoporosis was and to work out what medication to go on for that. So I was on another medication. And then another side effect of the steroids is fluid retention. So I was on diuretics to, you know, help me pass urine because I was holding on to it, which is what the steroids do. So that was another medication. I was on all my asthma medication as Mm. well. So the meds, you know, were building up. And then, you know, I was in and out of hospital. Then 1991, I gave my heart to the Lord. And um, I remember from 91 to probably 95 were the worst years of my life. Worst years of my life. I just, yeah, I can't believe I my asthma got really bad and it was diagnosed as brittle asthma brittle asthmatic because it was very unstable and the medications weren't working and um and I was in and out of hospital and I'd been ventilated four times where they put a tube down and paralyze you and put you in a drug-induced coma so that happened for on four separate occasions because I was just getting tired and struggling to breathe so that happened four times. And then in 1993, I had been to see my sister in Alice Springs and I'd noticed that I was a lot more thirsty, just so thirsty and consuming huge amounts of water. And then, and being a nurse, I knew what it was. Yeah, And so I got back on the Saturday and I rang my GP clinic where I was because they were open on the weekends and I made an appointment and I said to him, I think I've got diabetes um, because of the amount I'm drinking and I'm up through the night, you know, to go to the toilet. So I had some tests and, yes, I had insulin and the sugars were through the roof here in South Australia, they're meant to be around four to seven, I think. Mine were in the 50s and 60s. Oh, wow. They're huge. They're just way too high. And I didn't consume a lot of sugar. It was just the steroids because I was on big doses. Yeah. Big doses of steroids. And one specialist that I was under thought that maybe the prednisolone wasn't working with my liver. So put Mm. me on another one, dexamethasone. And that's used a lot for cerebral, like brain edema fluid on the brain or brain irritation. But that is very potent, like five milligrams of 
dexamethasone is equivalent to 20 milligrams of prednisolone. Wow. It's huge, yeah. And so when they first put me on it, I had to be in hospital because of the effect it has on your body. And I felt high, Brittany. I was a wave of the birds because I was on a, a big dose and I was just, I was spinning. I yeah. was high. I felt like I was out of my body. And um, after about a week, they sent me home um, because, you know, things had settled down. And then, um, um, yeah, so that, um, so I went into hospital, had a barrage of tests. I was a diabetic and they, because of the high sugars, they had to put me on insulin. Um, and then they had to work out the dose. And I was giving myself three needles a day. Wow. Um, and if the sugar, yeah, and if the sugars were too high, then I'd go on one called at rapid to try and bring it down. So sometimes it would be four. And then because the asthma was getting like just out of hand, there was lots of attacks back to back mm -hmm. sometimes really quick, I'd end up. Um, in ICU so they decided to put a port in my chest so that they could hook up the IV bags rather than trying to get drips oh, wow. um, IV, IVs into my arms because my arms were so bruised wow. it was so embarrassing going to the shops because they're covered in red red and purple bruises so um so they put this port in and, and then that was done in ICU and then that made it a, a lot easier for me yeah. because if I did get sick, I didn't have to keep being jabbed. Mm -hmm. And then the port stopped working. Oh, my gosh. So I was back to having the needles again. So then I had to take the port out. And then when they were taking the port out, I had a respiratory arrest and just completely blacked out. Wow. And then um, so I was in hospital for a while getting over that. So I was backwards and forwards, in and out. My weight was increasing. I fractured my spine again. I had fractured it. In 1990, I just have to backtrack. I fractured it again in 1990. I was oh, wow. getting uh, my sister was getting married, and um, I was trying on an outfit, and the outfit, the waistband got hooked over the heel of my shoe, and I bent over to unhook it and fractured three vertebrae again. So wow. I was in mm, it was nasty. It was so much pain. So I ended up back in hospital. I was in hospital for my sister's wedding, but the doctor that I was under let me out for the day for the funeral, for the wedding. And um, then by about 10 o'clock, I'd had it. So a friend took me back home. But I got to see my sister yeah. um, get married um, to an amazing, amazing husband, beautiful brother-in-law. And I was discharged, I wasn't discharged, I was let out for the day with a wheelchair and crutches because I couldn't stand for so long because the pain was so bad. Yeah. So that was um, 
90 and then my sister was saved before me um uh, her husband was although it wasn't a husband at the time was saved before my sister then my sister got saved and then she um was calling me telling me about jesus um and that was all around the same time leading me up to being you know saved in 91 but you know they would have been praying for me so that was that was before the voice told you to go to church yes yes (laughs) and then I had this voice you know as I said telling me to go to church so yeah I missed that sorry and then the power of prayers huh it's incredible the power of prayer if anyone prays and they don't get answers don't give up don't give up at all because God answers prayer according to his timing and his purpose and his will and we don't know what we what God is doing because you know we can't see necessarily what he's doing but there might be if you haven't had an answer for prayer and you're praying God it may be delayed because the timing's not right yeah so you know and you know I know you know there's talk that Christians give up you know, easy with prayer, but I encouraged anyone who is listening, do not give up in prayer. Pray fervently. It says pray without ceasing, you know. That's do right. not give up in prayer. But, you know, and if you know your heavenly language, um, if you've been baptised in the Holy Spirit, pray in tongues because only you and God know that unless you're with someone who knows interpretation because then it's you're communicating with God one-on-one and the devil doesn't understand it. Yep. It's powerful, powerful. It is. So powerful. So you got to go to your sister's wedding. Her husband had been saved. Then she was. Was this before? I was. Yeah. During that time, was this after you had been saved or was this before you were saved when you went to her wedding? Um, before. Okay. Donna Donna got married in 1990 and I was saved in 1991. Okay. So yeah. you got to go to her wedding and then you were tired afterwards and went home. I went back to the hospital. Oh, you went back to the hospital. Okay. Yeah. It's a long day in agony, you know, the pain. It's terrible. Mm. So during that time, you were dealing with the fractures, you were dealing with asthma, you were dealing with all of that, and you were still sick when God brought you to the church, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, very sick. That was the, my salvation was the 21st of July and you know we hear in the Christian circles that God's never late he's always on time he was on time my salvation was perfect timing because I got sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker and in and out of hospital increased medications found out I was a diabetic Then in December 1994, I fractured my spine in nine places. Oh, my gosh. How did that happen? Mm. Oh, 
Well, there's a shopping, big shopping centre here near where I live. Now, I was in a gopher, so I'm not sure if you have an equivalent. It's to help people that, um, like elderly, senior people or people with physical disabilities to get around. It's on wheels. Mm-hmm. We call them gophers here, mobility scooters, I think. But we call think, them gophers. Yeah, we probably just call them scooters. I'm not really sure, but I like the term yeah. gopher. <laughs> I, that's a good name. So, yeah, so I was given a gopher um, because I was so big and mm-hmm. um, I already had it before I'd actually fractured my spine. But um, because it was just life was so hard and I couldn't drive, I just physically couldn't drive. So I was given this gopher by a medical company here. I don't know, yes, by a medical group here. And then um, so I would take myself to the shopping centre that was local to where I live. And um, it was I was at the supermarket and I remember reversing back and I looked over my left shoulder and I fractured the nine vertebrae. Just looking that's over how, your shoulder? Yeah, that's how I did it. Oh, my gosh. Because the bones were so brittle. And also, when you look over your shoulder, your spine is fixed. So it was like a fixed rod, and I turned to look over my shoulder to make sure nobody was behind me. And I that I did the nine vertebrae, and I can tell you I felt it. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I would bet that you felt nine vertebrae breaking. Mm, I just was thinking about life. it makes me feel just a fraction of it. So <laughs> <laughs> it was intense, Brittany. I had to stop where I was, and I was trying so hard not to scream. Yeah, where I was at the, I was just the other side of the checkout. I'd come through. And um, I had no clue how I was going to get home. No clue how I was going to get home. And I can tell you, gophers have no suspension. Mm -hmm. So I felt every single bump. And I was was sobbing coming home. I had 16, uh, about, it was a 16K round trip. So it was 8Ks home. Wow. And I was sobbing. I was in so much pain and I'm trying to sit rigid to protect my spine. I did six thoracic and three lumbar. So I was trying oh. to protect it's the thoracic ones that hurt the most because that's around your lungs. Yeah. So I couldn't cough. I couldn't sneeze because the pain was so intense. So I got home and the same as I'd mentioned to you before, I got everything I needed, all the painkillers that I could, cup of tea, cup of coffee, hot water, everything I needed and crashed on my couch so that I would never have to get up unless it was for the toilet. And that was horrendous, Mm. horrendous. I remember having to hang off the top of the toilet door just um because if you well, we don't think about this when we sit down but when we sit down all our weight comes down on our spine and then when we stand up 
we kind of stretch out a little. And so for me to be able to move, I had to hang off the toilet door, the top of the toilet door, and just wait there for five, ten minutes for the pain to settle. And then I'd have to make it to the couch again. And then the pain would hit me again when I was trying to sit and then trying to lay down. I was propped up with lots of cushions. So I did that for about two, two or three days, maybe mm. maybe a little bit longer, and I couldn't cope anymore and the pain relief wasn't working. So I rang my specialist at home. And he gave me his phone number so I could ring him whenever I needed, Yeah. Um, which was really kind of him. And I rang him. It was at night time. It was about 8 o'clock. I rang him and I told him what I was taking and how, how often. And he said to me, can you get yourself to the hospital? I said, yes, I'll, you know, I'll call my parents and see if they'll come with me. And he would let the registrar know that I was yeah. on my way. So I got to the hospital and um, he was waiting for me ready and they had the pain relief and everything. He checked me over and he said, we're going to give you some x-rays and see what's going on here. And that's when I found out that I had done the nine vertebrae. So wow. I went into hospital in December of 1993, 93 or 94. I think it was 94. Wow. Just, just a couple of days after Christmas. Wow. So, mm, I was, you know, I haven't felt anything like it. And neither do I want to. <laughs> right. That's yeah, for sure. neither do I want to. But, yeah, I can't. The only way I can describe it is that it felt like it was sending me through the roof. Yeah. It was intense. Like I um, I wanted to scream. I didn't. I would just, um, like, grab my chest to try mm. and make me go still so that I could protect my spine. But, yeah, I got admitted to hospital. That was December, and I left May the 2nd. Wow. Mm. So did you leave when the bones had healed? Is that when they released you? No. What happened was um, from, like, the chest down, I was starting to feel numb and um, couldn't really feel, and my legs felt numb and pins and needles and so I thought oh um you know maybe I need turning as laying on my back too long so yeah. I buzzed for the nurse and got asked them if they could turn me because I couldn't do it and get me off my back and that made no difference so when my specialist came to see me I told him that I'm beginning to feel numb and my, I can't really feel my legs. Yeah. And so he grabbed his keys out his pocket and rang, ran them up my feet. Yeah. And normally your t toes will curl over. Yeah. But, but reflex. But mine didn't do that. Didn't move at all. And I just, I remember the look he gave the registrar that they knew something serious was going on here. Yeah. So... Later that day, a nurse came in with a tape measure and they're fitting me up to see if I'd fit in the MRI machine. 
because they're not very big. Yeah. And I was I was very big. And um I you know, I said, What are you doing? And she said, Oh, you're going off to a major hospital here in Adelaide and um we're gonna have an MRI scan to find out what's going going on. So um I came back after being in the MRI machine, which was horrendous. You know, you yeah. had to be moved to go in the ambulance and then be moved onto another, you know, like a barouche or gurney yeah. to go up to the MRI machine and then be lifted on to the MRI bed. And you needed heaps of people to lift me because of, you know, being so big at 130 kilos and having so much pain, the pain. Oh my goodness, the pain. And then so I came home back to came home back to the hospital. And then the next day uh, my specialist came in and he told me um, you know, what had happened. And the hospital that I was at is is uh like a suburban hospital. It's not a major hospital where it's got specialty units. Yeah. So I was transferred back to the big hospital where I had the MRI scan and was transferred to the spinal unit Mm -hmm. and they looked after me there um, and they did everything they could but it's pretty degrading you know what happens to you and because I lost bowel and bladder control and Mm. everything like that so I didn't know what was going on and right um, if you needed to be lifted you had men as well as you know nurses lift you the orderlies and it's it's embarrassing because just because of my size and needing so many people to lift me from you know I'd be moved onto a portable shower bed and they'd just wheel you into the shower and a nurse would just hose you down it just felt like I was a slab of meat was horrible terrible horrible just and, awful and this was you were paralyzed from the injury at this point is that that... If, um, that was what the diagnosis ended up being because they were going to take me to emergency theater because they thought my spine had been decompressed but because my lungs were so bad and the diabetes was so bad it was a big if about recovery because of the infection with diabetes and the state of my lungs so they decided to cancel the surgery thank goodness I really because I didn't need it and then what they did was just observe and see what was happening and in between I was having tests done and physio was coming to see me and I remember physio um, trying to sit me up and I'm trying to hold my trunk in a sitting position but I would just fall to the left or the right I couldn't hold myself up at all and that happened repeatedly and then um, the symptoms got worse and then on here Australia Day it would be like um, July the 4th this is like Australia Day the um, doctor that I was under came to me and he said that you'd been in complete paraplegic for the rest of your life and spend your life in a wheelchair. Wow. And I'm, I was on my own when he told it, and I'm sobbing and I'm sobbing. 
I thought, I said to him, please don't send me back because the hospital where I was going back to that I had come from isn't geared up for spinal patients. Yeah. It doesn't have a facility. So um, he said, we have to send you back because you've been transferred here from that hospital. So I got sent back and I was there for um, from the January the 26th until March. And then I was transferred to a rehab facility to try um, learn to walk again. So um, in between January and March, um, one of the greatest miracles in my life happened. Someone from church came from the healing room at yeah. church and she prayed for me. And this was the first time one of my legs moved. Wow. was the first time that one of my legs moved. Mm. And I thought, because I had been crying out to Jesus every day, don't you leave me like this. Please don't leave me like this, Lord. Please don't leave me like this. You know, and claiming healing scriptures and my sister was giving me Psalm 27, which is my absolute favourite psalm. And um, I would claim that every day, all day, every day. I'd read it out and I'd read scriptures because I couldn't go anywhere. I didn't yeah. have anything else to do. So all I could do was read the word and pray. Um, and I remember this person coming in and praying for my um for my legs to move and one leg started to move slightly but it started to move and that was the first time that had happened since I fractured my spine in December so um so she kept praying and um that leg had a little bit more movement it was still feeling numb and I still had the pins and needles but the leg had a bit more movement yeah. And then the doctors were trying to find a rehab place for me to go to because I had told them that I'd started to get movement. And physio at the hospital I was at would 12 people, I can't believe it took 12 people to try and get me up to stand. And each time I would fall to the ground because my legs just couldn't hold me. They weren't working. Yeah, and so it took twelve people to get me up off the ground. Wow, so embarrassing. But that you know, that's what I was like back then. I had no hope. I had like I just couldn't even think of a future. Then I'm just thinking I'm going to yeah. be in a wheelchair, and I'm thinking I was claiming these scriptures and I was believing, and then you know you'd get your faith would rise. And yeah. then the enemy would come in and I'd find myself on the ground and I'd get discouraged and, you know, I'd get put back in bed and then I'd have a cry because I was so upset. Mm-hmm. And then I'd get my Bible out and start reading the word and I'd start reading Psalm 27 and I'd start speaking it over me and over me and I was listening to worship. Um, And I was trying to stay faithful. I wasn't Mm -hmm. giving up. And I remember um, my sister and brother-in-law were coming down to see me and to see the parents. 
And at that time, they only had the two boys. They have three now. And um, I'd been transferred to the Farstream Rehab um, place. And one of the nephews, the oldest nephew, said to me, Auntie, are you ever going to walk again? That just mm. tore me to pieces. I bet. Brittany just, he was so, it would have been maybe four. And he said, Auntie, are you ever going to walk? And I said, I don't know. And then he said, will you ever run again, Auntie? Oh, wow. And I said, oh, you know, out the mouth of babes, you know. Mm -hmm. And I thought, look, I said, I don't know. I said, Auntie's believing that Jesus will heal me and that I will come up and see you when I'm well. Yeah. And. I mean, I didn't know, ever know that Jesus was going to heal me, but I had to hang on to what the word said. I had to have faith as small as a mustard seed. I had yeah. Matthew 7, 7, ask, seek, knock, you know, pray without ceasing. I had yeah. to do everything that the word said or the scriptures that I was reading and believe it and believe it. And I know, you know, because I was, new in the Lord still, yeah. the stories of the healing power of Jesus and the miracles that he performed in the Bible. And I thought, Jesus did them. Jesus can heal me. Yes. So it made me dig in further and I was like a little dog nipping at his heels <laughs> and I wouldn't let go. I would not let go of... Um, holding on to Jesus and holding on to his word. And I had so many people from church, pastors and friends and healing team friends come in and pray for me yeah. and visit me and what have you. And then um, I was transferred because um, they could see that there was movement in the legs. Yeah. They, tro they transferred me to this place doesn't exist now uh, fast dream rehab um and the physio there had a team behind her. i was on a rehab ward and they put me on like a gutter frame so it's a really tall frame walking frame it's got wheels yeah. and um there's um pieces of metal on the left and the right where you put your forearms mm -hmm. and then there's the little handle in front that you grasp with your hands. Yeah. So and I remember. It's what we would yes, call it in the like US, a walker. Yeah. Yeah. So we call them a gutter frame here because <laughs> I don't know why, because it had, I don't even know why it's called a gutter frame, <laughs> but that's what they call them, strange names. Mm -hmm. But, and I remember the very first time they got me out of bed, my legs just wouldn't move because it's the first time since December that they held my weight yeah. and they were shaking and I couldn't move them. And I remember the physio standing in front of me and two of the nurses moving my feet because I oh, couldn't wow. move them. And that was the beginning of me starting to walk again because there that day then I knew that Jesus had done a miracle in me had performed a miracle yeah because I was walking and I hadn't fallen to the ground yeah amazing it's amazing amazing mm. so 
When you were going through all of this, how old were you at this point? How old was I? Yeah, I how old were you? Let me think. 32. 32-33. So you were so young and going through all of this. Mm. Wow. I was going to say it was a big eye-opener because I was a nurse. And now I was on the other side of the bed. Yeah. Scary. It is. It's crazy how fast life can change. It's not even in a twinkle of an eye, Brittany. It was just yeah. so quick. It, yeah, it wasn't. I mean, I, I did think about my um, future because I was told by um, different doctors to make funeral arrangements. And so, you know, I went once with my parents. I went once on my own. And, was that um, when you were in the hospital because of spinal stuff or was that? Asthma. Wow. Because of my asthma, because it was so bad. And a doctor said to me many, many times, we don't think you're going to make it through the night. Wow. You know, Jesus had other plans, you know. Yeah, but, he did. Yeah. I remember the funeral guy saying to me, I was making all my plans for my funeral, which is very weird. I but bet. he said to me, yeah, very weird, you know, like I'm working out. I didn't want too many flowers and I wanted worship music. I had it all worked out. And the funeral guy said to me, how come you're so calm? And I said, because I know where I'm going if I die. When I yeah. die, I said, I know where I'm going. I said, my destiny, my um, eternity is secure. I know where I'm going because I um, have a relationship with Jesus Christ and I love him so much and I know where I'm going. So there's only two places on earth once you die that you can go. It's heaven or hell and they're both very, very real. Yeah. They are both very, very real. And I was not going to hell. There's no way I was yeah. going to hell. No way. So I knew where I was going. And, you know, he said, I've never had anyone like you calm like this. You know, I wasn't crying or anything. And I wow. said, well, I'm assured. The Bible tells me where I'm going and I'm going to be with Jesus. Yeah. You know, like it's it's not going to be a um, place of turmoil. It's going to be a place of beauty and a place of peace and a place of complete healing, made whole, yeah. pain-free, brand-new body, you know. So I had – I didn't – it didn't bother me because it's a win-win situation for a Christian yeah. who loves Jesus and has a good relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit and, and you know, of course, God, because, you know, I sometimes have a relationship with each one, but then God, you know, the deity yeah. of God. And um, it's a win-win situation for me. I was going to be a brand-new body and a skinny body and not this big body anymore and, be complete, no fractures, no pain, no medication, and I'd be with Jesus for the rest of my life. So it was a win-win yeah. for me. Yeah. So, mm. so you had had to go through these crazy things, even potentially planning your own funeral, 
Now you're in rehab for your spine because your legs started working, which is a miracle. And people have been praying. So what happened from there? Um, I continued to improve. Mm -hmm. And then the physio and a nurse did a home assessment to see how I'd manage at home. And um, it was it wasn't very pleasant only because I was so excited to see home. I hadn't seen it since December. I yeah. didn't know if I was ever going back home. And I remember and I was in agony, but I covered it up because all I wanted was to go home yeah. and, you know, be back home. That's all I wanted. And I remember the nurse saying to the, um, physio, I see she has no pain now. You're judging me. You've got no idea what I'm going through. I covered it so I could go home. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I passed the assessment. Praise God, because I did not want to spend another day longer than I had to where I was when I heard the nurse say what she was saying. And then um, May the 2nd, uh, 94, uh, 94 or 95, I was discharged um, and I got a um, taxi back home. Wow. And then... Lots of people were coming to see me and um, because I couldn't cook, people were um, doing meals for me. Yeah. And um, someone popped in to see if I wanted to go to church, which, yeah, was the first time since December. And um, I was getting ready on the Sunday morning. I was ready early. And while I was waiting for my lift to take me to church, I was standing in my dining room and I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't want this walking frame anymore. Yeah. I said, you show me that I can walk. You've healed my legs. I can walk. I don't want to be in a walking frame. So I pushed the walking frame in front of me, not out of reach, but in front of me. Yeah. And I thought, I'm going to walk to this walking frame. And I'm not, I'm not going to fall to the ground. I'm going to stay upright. And I made it to the walking frame. Wow. So when the person came to pick me up to take me to church, I showed him, because a friend from my um, home fellowship group, um, her husband came to pick me up while she was getting ready. And I showed him, I said, look, I said, look what Jesus has done. And I pushed the frame away from me and did it again. That moment from then on, I knew that Jesus was going to be with me all the way. I'd yeah. been obedient. I had faith. I believed. I trusted God. And he was going to be by my side the whole way through my healing mm-hmm. process. And he has been. So you know, came home from church and um, went to bed just to give my back a rest and um, have a lay down. And then each day through the following week, I would push the frame, a walking frame away from me and take further steps. 
to that yeah. walking frame. And it got further and further and further away from me that I didn't need it anymore. Hmm. And that was because of the resurrection power Amazing. of Jesus Christ. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. I just I can't believe, like, because I'm not like I was then now, you know. I'm completely transformed, hmm. completely transformed. So... When I think of those years, I think, was I ever like that, Lord? Yeah. No. So sometimes, like, the Lord lets me know if I do too much or I've been standing too long or sitting too long, I get stiff and have a bit of, you know, pain and discomfort. But that's the Lord nudging me saying, hey, slow down. Yeah, take a rest. You know, yeah, because I, I never used to. It was gung-ho for me, just 100K an hour and just keep going. Jesus had to find a way maybe to stop me. I don't know. So because I have to say in the whole time that I was in hospital with my, when I fractured my spine, that would have been um, a profound time relationally for me for Jesus because I depended on him yeah. more you know I needed him more because the peace he gave me humans can't give doesn't matter what they do yep doesn't doesn't matter what they say the peace Jesus gave me nothing compares not even animals because it's temporary yeah Jesus is eternal yes he is so, you know, and so his peace was with me day and night and all the times I cried, I know he was capturing them. He sent the angels to capture them and store them in the tear room in heaven because he yeah. knows our tears and he saves them. He does. He saves our tears in a bottle. He does. We mean that much to him. Jesus yeah. doesn't ask much from us, really. When you think about our lives as a Christian, he doesn't ask. It's faith, obedience, and living a life pleasing to him. Before I was saved, Brittany, I, never, I did smoke, but I didn't drink. I didn't go to nightclubs. I didn't yeah. do, you know, the social drugs. I didn't do any of those you know, like marijuana or anything like that. I didn't do that, but I did smoke. But I stopped when I was um, 22, I think, when I had my first asthma attack. Wow. I never smoked again. So, and I try to make sure I live a life pleasing to him and obedient, you know, and that includes repentance as well and examining yeah. my life so that, um, you know, I can be clean before the Lord and repentant and live holy like the scriptures say, but I cannot explain his peace. Only Christians know true peace, Yeah, I believe, because we have the peace that surpasses all understanding, don't we? Yeah. 
Yeah, even in the okay. midst of chaos, somehow he mm. can give us peace. In trauma, in sickness, doesn't yeah. matter what it is, his peace is there. And that was, there's nothing that can replace it. His peace was, oh, his peace was something I held on to so dearly because yeah. it was reassuring. Doctors were giving me doom and gloom and Jesus is giving me hope. Yeah. That's yeah. the difference, you know. Doctors, this is what's going to happen to you. This is a medication you need. And then Jesus says, I have mm. peace. And he speaks a better word because the doctor's oh, facts were not the truth. They were not the truth. That's exactly right. And Jesus, Jesus is truth. Everything about him yeah. is truth you know like there's nothing he doesn't know about us yeah nothing he knows every word we're gonna mutter mm -hmm. he knows every prayer we're gonna pray he knows every feeling that we're going through he yeah. knows our pain there's no one on earth that knows that and i know Whatever my situation, 24 hours a day, day or night, I can turn to Jesus and he'll be there. And that doesn't say I look I'm busy at the moment. I've got the world to look after. He says, come, my daughter. Yeah. You know, he doesn't turn us away. He's not frustrated when we come. He's not angry when we come. He doesn't say, oh, I haven't got time at the moment. He says, come, my daughter. You know? Like, no one compares to Jesus. And yeah. I've had my mockers. <laughs> Have I had my mockers? But the one thing that stands is Jesus. That's right. You know, it's the one thing that stands. The mockers aren't in my life anymore. Praise God. Mm. Jesus is. That's you know? right. But Jesus is the same yesterday and tomorrow. Never changes. Mm. Never changes his Faithful, 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 faithful. So we know that you were totally healed as far as your spinal injury and uh -huh. paralysis went away. You're able to walk. You said that you're completely transformed. So did the healing stop there? What about the asthma? What about the diabetes? What about the osteoporosis? Okay. So the diabetes, when I was in hospital the steroids were killing me yeah. i could see what they were doing to my body you know the weight was increasing and yeah. i was always getting diabetic ulcers so um and i've had surgery for in the past when i was a diabetic for them and i remember i was praying in tongues i was in the side room and i'm praying in tongues and the nurse, the nurses must have heard me because they came over to me and said, are you all right? <laughs> I said, oh, yes. I said, I'm just praying in tongues to Jesus. Yeah. And she said, oh. And she just, oh, like as in weirdo, oh, you know, yeah. not like, oh, you know, as a weirdo, oh, okay. <laughs> she said, we'll just shut the door then. I said, that's fine, no problem. So I just was praying in tongues and I said to Jesus, I said, Lord, I really need to come off these steroids. They're killing me. 
And he said, whatever decision you make, I will be with you. So I knew I could come off them. And he yeah. was with me. I had withdrawals for a long time. Oh, I bet. Vomiting Those are... frequently. Oh, terrible. Yeah, steroids can be really awful withdrawals. Nasty. Nasty, nasty, nasty. Nasty. So, so you yeah. came off the steroids. Mm-hmm. And then because I was off the steroids, the doctors thought that I would still have the diabetes because the sugars were so high. Yeah. But, you know, there's Jesus. And Jesus <laughs> says, no. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> said, no, you won't have the diabetes. When the doctors say you will still have diabetes, you still need the steroids, you still need this, you still need that, they're speaking a curse over you. Yeah. Jesus yeah. does never do that. He speaks no. life he does. over us. He speaks, speaks love over us. Yeah. So I, when I told the doctor, it was um, on the Friday, and I told my specialist, he came in to see me, and I said to him that I want to come off my steroids. I said, they're killing me. And he said, that's fine. You can come off them, but you'll have to stay in while you do it because – when you get below, for some people, when you get below a certain dose, mm-hmm. the um, asthma can flare up because they're not used to it. Your adrenal glands have stopped secreting the glucocorticoid yeah. steroid because I've been getting it artificially. So they were worried about that. So I said, well, that's fine, no problem. And they didn't want to do it on the weekend because there's only skeleton staff around. So if anything happened... And I, they thought maybe I could be in some trouble. So we waited till Monday and there were some teething problems, but I did come off the steroids. I have, unfortunately, only, I didn't take the full course. I um, had a really nasty chest infection a few mm. years ago and the doctor wanted me to go back on steroids and I said no no I haven't touched them since 94 I'm not touching them now but you know the man enemy was trying to have other plans because he's always been after me that's obvious with mm-hmm. everything that's you know been going on so I said look I'll give him a go um but nothing really happened so I stopped yeah. them and I just went to God and I went to his word yeah and you know, and at the end of the day, for me, that's where my faith and trust lies. So the diabetes went away. Jesus healed that. So, and I haven't, I don't even have a glucose test now. I haven't had oh, wow. one in donkey's years, 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 years. Haven't had one. I don't need to. Um, oh, wow. So I haven't, apart from those steroids. So I haven't, up until then, I hadn't had steroids in 20 years. Wow. I don't need them. Jesus, when Jesus heals you, he does thorough. Yeah. You're healed and made whole instantly. He doesn't think, oh, I'll just give a portion of healing and then I'll come back to you a couple of years later. He does a healing or the healing can sometimes be slow. And gradual, but Jesus still heals because that has happened in occasions as well. 
the healing yeah. has been slow, you know, and it's taken a, over a, a period of time. But mm-hmm. um, when it came to my spine, that was all pretty much instant. Although, you know, I had to get use of my legs again. And then yeah. so from 95 to around 2000, everything was was pretty good. I was still in hospital with asthma, but not as much. And then in yeah. 2000, I started getting headaches, which I wasn't a sufferer of. And so I went to my GP and said to him, um, you know, I'm getting these headaches um, and I end up severe vomiting and severe pain and can only lay on one side and can't have any noise. The room has to be black. And he said, oh, I will give you some migraine medication. And I said to him, migraine medication? When have I ever complained to you about headaches? Never. You know, I wanted a scan done. Because being yeah. a nurse and knowing my body, I knew it wasn't normal. But he said, no, we'll give you migraine medication. So migraine medication didn't work. So he said, I went back to him and he said, okay, try these. So I tried these migraine medication. They didn't work. Yeah. And I said to him, can I have a scan, a CT scan? He said, do you think you've got something growing, do you? And I said, when have I ever complained to you about headaches? Is it written in your history? He said, no, it's not because I've never complained about them. And he said, no. He said, no. He said, you don't need a CT scan. We'll try something else. So more migraine medication. And I remember this day was the be-all and end-all. You're only meant to take two of these migraine meds a day. I took four. And I took four panadine fort, which is pretty strong pain relief it's got codeine in it yeah pretty strong and that didn't touch me so I went and spoke to him again and he said no I'm thinking what am I gonna do so anyway God in the march I was in um, a leader in the children's church and um, we had a camp coming up and I remember on the long it was a long weekend um, and so I remember the coming Monday before that long weekend, I started with a sore throat. On a week before, I started with a sore throat. It was mega bad. I couldn't swallow water at all. Mm. It was so bad. And I felt very, very unwell. And so I went to see this GP and he had a look. He said, you know, they are pretty bad. And he said, I'll give you some antibiotics to take I said I can't take them I said I can't swallow water barely I said I wasn't eating yeah and um so he said look get them and try so I didn't even bother because I wasn't eating I couldn't even get the smallest of food down yeah so I went back to him the next day and he said you've gotten worse he said, what do you want to do? And I said, well, can you give me intramuscular IM penicillin? Yeah. And he looked at me. He said, you know what that's like, don't you? He said, that's all that's going to work. That's what I need. So he gave me IM penicillin one a day. It's a big shot. Yeah. Um, for four days. And I went to see him on the fifth day and he said, you are so bad. He said, you're not leaving here. I'm calling an ambulance. So... Mm-hmm. I was taken to hospital, got admitted, and then 
I was up on the ward and I remember <clears throat> buzzing for some pain relief because my throat was just raging. It was having a party, you know, it was just <laughs> full on intense pain. And I said to the nurse, have you got enough there to kill me? Because I couldn't stand the pain and I had a shocking, shocking headache. And okay. she knew that that wasn't normal. So she called yeah. the doctors and I was out of it by then. I just remember hearing lots of voices and them shining lights in my eyes. And then I heard them say, she's got meningitis. Mm-hmm. So the infection travelled up to my brain which was God I know it was God because they have to do a a CT scan and before they do a CT scan of your brain they have to do a lumbar puncture to check the intracranial pressure in your brain Mm -hmm. and so they did a CT scan and there was a mass wow there was a mass sitting in the left side of my brain so I knew but the doctor wouldn't listen to me because some doctors don't like being told by a patient to do that job. I've had that experience as well. Yes, yes. But it's your body, your health, your choice. Yeah. So, yeah, so I had this mass and I got taken down to intensive care. I was pretty crook. And I was there for, I don't know, I was there for ages and ages and ages. And I was in a, like a critical care bed where they could observe you all the time from the nurse's station. And as I improved, I got moved to a room on my own. I didn't like the light and I didn't like noise. So that suited me. And I remember I was like in and out of it a little bit, but I remember I heard the side door. Like it was a big door and a little door to the room, and yeah. I heard the little door go, and I said, who's there? Who's there? Then this room filled with this peace and this presence wow. that I have never, ever, ever experienced, never experienced in my life like this. In Incredible. And yeah. then, whether it, I don't know if it was Jesus or an angel, but they came to my bed and the, sh- the sheets and the blankets were over my face and they rolled them down to below my chin. Because mm-hmm. I yelled out, Who's there? Who's there? But this peace, mm. Brittany this piece mm. and they rolled down the sheets and the blanket from off my face and then I heard the door go and they left. So that was Jesus reassuring me. I'm sure it was Jesus reassuring me that I'm here yeah. with you. I haven't forgotten you. Yeah. So then a night duty nurse came on and she didn't know that I didn't know. There was a mass in my brain. And she asked if I wanted any pain relief. And I said, because of my head. And I said, yeah, it's pretty sore. It's hurting quite a bit. And she said it would do with that lump in your head. And that was the first I knew of it. So she didn't know that I didn't know. But that's, you know. And so, you know, panic and whatever else. And I'm thinking, that's not what they're meant to find. You know, I didn't get much sleep that night and I'm thinking, my goodness me, what's going on now? 
and then doctor came in next day and I asked about him and he said yes there is a a lump there but we don't know what it is we have to do more tests to yeah. see what it is so I, I got better got discharged went to see a um a neuro neurology doctor neurologist yeah and he did a whole stack of tests and everything and he's he was going to call it an arachnoid cyst which is arachnoid because of its shape a spider I think mm -hmm. I'm not having that in my head. No way, demonic. <laughs> no, thank you. So we're looking through his um, books, um, his medical books, and I was reading about an epidermoid cyst, and this is what this fitted. And so we did some more tests, and praise God, that's what it turned out to be, an epidermoid yeah. cyst. So it's full of a cheesy-like substance like brie, or camembert cheese. Do you know those cheeses? Yeah, yeah. So it was that substance and it had the skin of a brie or um, camembert because it's actually made up of keratin from our body. And the doctors reckon, doctors reckon it had been there for years and it had just got to a point where it was so big it was pressing on the intracranial nerves in my brain. Wow. That, that, that's why I was getting the headaches. And so severe because it was um, pressing on a lot. So yeah. I had my tonsils came out in August and I had the epidermoid cyst removed in October the same year. Wow. With five and a half hour surgery. Oh, my goodness. Mm, so, you know, the enemy's tried, but Jesus, Jesus is my love, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, so so I got, eventually came home. You know, asthma attacks were still happening but not as bad. Then in 2008 I fractured my spine again, the same three lumbar vertebrae because they're already weak. Yeah. So that was my fourth and last time. I got admitted to hospital because I couldn't oh, look yeah. after myself. So I was back in hospital and then... After the surgery, there were a lot of complications just with pain. And every time the pain was really bad, I had to go to hospital, have a scan to make sure there was no bleed. So there was that going on. But then I did my spine. Then everything seemed to improve. And then in 2014, there was something happened in my life and it triggered depression. Mm. and um, this is on the 13th of September 2014 I'm driving around in my car looking for a truck or a bridge yeah to um, you know end it and um, I was sobbing and heaving I couldn't read the word because of the voices in my head mm. and I couldn't put worship on because um, I couldn't um, read the word and I couldn't pray because of what was going on I knew, I knew he was behind it, the enemy knew it, devil, I knew it um, um, but I didn't know how to get all out of it so you know what I did, I would soak I'd go into my spare room and put worship music on and I would soak and I would have yeah. Jesus to folk on, focus on and I would have worship going all day and all night and I would just listen to worship. Then 
the day I was driving around, um, I don't know how this only I can only explain Jesus, Brittany. I ended up at a medical centre because it stopped me from looking around and I went I was sobbing and heaving in the reception and the receptionist came over and she said, You know, you know, what's the matter? And I said, I want to kill myself. Mm. And she got me in to see a doctor straight away. And the doctor said to me, you know, what's wrong? I told her what the problem was. And she said, I've got a sore throat and I'm going home. Can you come back tomorrow? What? And I sat there, what? Have you not heard what I just said? So I walked out of there. But you see, the doctor for me, this is for me speaking for me, the doctor wasn't the solution. Right. Jesus was. So I left there bewildered and frustrated because the very person you, you know, in the natural you rely on to help you let me down and couldn't. And I got yeah. home and my room was filled with the peace of God. Mm. And I knew. So that began my healing journey from that. Um, so, you know, the enemy has tried, but. Hmm. he's not going to succeed and then in 2017 we had a visiting um prophet from america come to church yeah and he called out neck pain because something else had developed and i'd got pins and needles going down my arm and lots of pain in my neck and nothing would relieve the pins and needles i'd seen a doctor and he said, we need to stick a needle in your, in your neck. I said, oh, hang on a minute. Hmm. I said, there are other options before you stick a needle in my neck. I said, yeah. no way. And he suggests there are other options. I said, I'll take the other options, thanks, because I had been crying out to Jesus for yeah. relief because it would keep me up at night. Yeah. And at this point in time, nothing had happened. Then this visiting prophet came from America and he called out neck pain and back pain. And that was that was me. I knew it was me. And so I went up for prayer. And he said to me, he prayed. Now, he had no reason to know about my neck and my yeah. pins and needles. But he prayed for those. Mm -hmm. He prayed for that. He called out. And then he said, and the Lord is opening your lungs. <sighs> and I haven't looked back ever since. Wow. Mm, so I haven't had an asthma attack. Nothing. Wonder. I don't take any medication at all. I've gone from 22 medications a day to nothing. Amazing. That's the resurrection power of Jesus. Only yes. Jesus can do that. Doctors failed me time and time again. They have their place. I'm, I'm not going to say they don't. They do. But... At some point, I had to take charge of my body yeah, and align it with the word and dig my heels in. There's no point reading a scripture about faith as small as a mustard seed mm -hmm. or ask, seek, knock or um, in a Psalm 91 or Psalm 27 or Psalm 23, but not believe that Jesus can't heal. So I annoyed Jesus so much I was reading out his scripture to him 
And I was mm. saying, quoting scripture back and saying, this is what your word says, Lord. Let me see your healing power, not in an arrogant way, but I've read the miracles in the Bible. I've read what Jesus can do, so I'm no different. I'm his daughter. I am no different. And I wanted to be healed and yeah. made whole so that I could testify yeah. of the resurrection power and that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Mm. Yes. I badgered him so much. So, Jesus, here I am. I'm tugging on the hem of your garment. Here I am, Lord. And I'm healed, restored, no medication, Mm. you know. So Amazing. One word from God. That's what that made me think of when you talked about the prophet saying that he was opening your lungs. One word from God changes everything. One word, one touch. Yeah. He is our healer. It's incredible. Anyone who is desperate, who is listening to this podcast, Jesus is your answer. If you don't know what to do and you don't know anyone that's in your life, whatever your background, whatever your country, all you have to do is call on the name of Jesus. That's all you have to do. He will meet with you like he met me. He will meet with you. Call on the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Your life will change forever. Yes, it's so true. And I love how you were talking about the resurrection power. It's significant right now because it's about to be Easter and Jesus was resurrected and the resurrection power that flowed through him is in us too, because he anointed us with his Holy Spirit and gave us authority over the enemy and resurrection. I know when people think of resurrection, they just think about the dead being raised. But resurrection power can hit any area of your life, too. It's not just someone being raised from death. It's our bodies being raised back to health when sickness tried to take them over. It's relationships being resurrected from the dead. It's our minds and our emotions being resurrected back to life when they've been battered and bruised. It's like... Jennifer Evaz says, you know, hearts can die from trauma, but God brings hearts back to life and he knits them yes. together again. God's um, resurrection power can hit any dry or dead area in your life. And it's available to you through Jesus Christ. And that's so amazing. Shirley was healed from asthma that was so bad that the doctor told her to prepare her own funeral. How amazing that oh, you were healed from paralysis. You were mm. taken off steroids and you were healed of diabetes. And in that, you weren't even having as bad of an asthma attack as you were prior to all the medications. You were wow. healed of so many, oh my gosh, so many spinal injuries. And then healed completely of asthma. Mm-hmm. God yep. is so Nothing. good and so faithful and so beautiful. 
you mentioned Psalm 27 multiple times. I don't know that I want to read the whole thing, but will you just share your favorite part of it that you were speaking over yourself? Um, the first bit, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fail. Mm. Though war rage against me, I uh, though war break out against me, even then will I remain confident. And this is my favourite. I'll spit where I will gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and seek Him in His temple. For when I am in trouble, He will hide me in the shelter of His dwelling. Like it's amazing. I just got a bit um with the end bit. I just getting consumed with getting overwhelmed Mm. one thing I ask of the Lord this is what I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple for in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling he will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me, mm. above the enemies who surround me, above the enemies who surround me, mm. then my head will be exalted. Yes. Like nothing. doesn't matter whether the enemies are on earth or demonic, whatever the enemies are, then my head will be exalted. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Mm. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. I will sing and make music to the Lord. He doesn't care whether we can sing or not, in tune or not. I will sing and make music to the Lord. That gave me hope day in and day out. Mm. Day in and day out. And then in the Passion Translation, which I haven't learnt, completely changes it all together. (laughs) Verse 14 says, be entwined with the Lord as one. Oh, that's beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? Yes. Be entwined with the Lord as one. I love it. It's my most favourite. And then, of course, there's Psalm uh, 91 as well. Yeah. Yes, he protects us. Mm. He protects us. So, and sends angels to guard us. Oh, yes, he does. So, so, yeah. If you could leave the audience today with one nugget of hope or wisdom or encouragement, what would it be? It would be no matter your circumstance, whether you don't have a relationship with Jesus or you, um, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I say call on the name of Jesus today. He will meet He will meet your every need. And for those that do know Jesus and haven't had their answer yet, don't give up. Mm. Get stuck in the Word. Have communion. Repent. You can have communion as many times a day. There's no rule or law for it. And 
I would say push in and push through. Know your scripture and call it out. Yes. But most of all, don't give up. Do not give up because your answer is there. Yes. Jesus is waiting. I love that you say find your scripture and call it out. Find a scripture that meets your need and stand on the scripture every day. The word Mm. works when you work the word. (laughs) (laughs) That's a Brittany saying. I love it. (laughs) That's beautiful. So I feel like we're supposed to close out praying for healing for people. You know, one, it testimony means do it again. So as Shirley speaks her testimony today, we say, do it again, God, because we know that you are able. So for anyone listening that either is believing for healing for themselves or, or for a loved one, we say, do it again, Lord. We thank you, God, that you are our healer. And Shirley, I just would love for you to pray that out because I know you have broken that yoke with the anointing of God and you have the power to break it off of others. So thank you. Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, I pray for each and every listener that is going to listen to this podcast, Lord God, no matter where they're listening from, who they're listening with, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would meet every single need. That, Father God, if it is provision, I pray that you would provide for them, Lord God. If I pray, pray that if it is healing, that your um, people are needing, Lord God. I pray for healing. It doesn't matter the sickness. It doesn't matter the disease. Jesus, you are healer. Jesus, you are healer. I pray, Lord God, for the backslider, for the prodigal son, for your prodigals, Lord God, for those that are unsaved, that Heavenly Father, let your resurrection power Meet with them today, Lord God. I pray that you would touch each and every one of them. That, Father God, you know who they are, Lord God. You know who they are, Father. And I pray and I ask, Father God, that you would meet with each and every person. That, Father God, they would call on your name. They would call out for you in their distress, in their time of need. In their pain, Lord God, they would call out for you and you would meet them, Heavenly Father. And you would give them a testimony like mine, Lord God, that declares your goodness and your faithfulness. Yes. Heavenly Father, I speak peace over every listener, Father God. I pray that they know the peace that surpasses all understanding that only you have, Lord God. Only you have. No one can give us peace. No animal can give us peace, Lord God. No bottle of wine, no drug, Lord God, can give us peace. I pray, Father God, that you would meet the listeners with your peace today. Yes. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Yes, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us, listeners. And I know that when you hear this podcast, Good Friday and Easter will already have passed. But as we do this tonight, it is Good Friday. And Good Friday is the night that we remember what Jesus did for us on the cross when he gave himself for us with the most costly, costly sacrifice. But Jesus told me recently that the price he paid, the high price, was not in vain. It would cover everything in our lives that it was meant to heal and touch. And it would bring things back into perfect order. So I just speak that over you tonight. And whenever you listen to this, receive that. He is making things right. And he is the resurrection power and he is our healer. So thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Thank you, Shirley. And I will talk to you next time. Thank you.